I'm Amanda Wagner, a business strategist, coach, and professional speaker. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are done shopping for shortcuts, no longer waiting for an invitation to do what they want, and are ready to claim their spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and triumphs of ambition and bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically in a noisy world, and share our experiences as entrepreneurs with big ambition. In this episode, we share our experiences of joining communities, including those that are online. We provide some steps and criteria for eliminating some of the distractions and noise that come from joining some of these communities. And we give you permission and steps to reassess where you're spending your time. Plus, we reassure you that if you are outgrowing certain spaces, that is a good thing. It's a sign of progress. And in WWAWD, or What Would Amanda Wagner Do?, we answer Jen's question about being hired, but also not hired, by your friends. It's really easy to think that when you're building your presence, your brand, or your business, you need to be seen. And oftentimes that means joining groups, associations, and networking your buns off. But at some point, more just becomes more. There's more on your plate. There's more to juggle. There's more to pay attention to, more to engage with, more people to check in with, and more becomes a lot. And it can often take your focus away from what actually matters. This means less time to focus on your goals, less space for your own thoughts, and sometimes less certainty in what you're doing because you're hearing all sorts of things from different sources and it's really easy to get confused. When you are looking to make a name for yourself, often you're looking for validation. And if you're a business owner, you wanna get hired. You want clients in the door, you want money in your bank account, and you wanna know that you're doing something that matters and something that's working. There's a lot to be said for proving that this model of what you're creating is actually generating some buzz, generating some income, and it's sustainable. All of a sudden, you are more experienced, you're moving from a beginner to becoming a pro, and you're seeing yourself surrounded by all of this noise. And out of nowhere, it seems, you're part of 22 different Facebook groups and two free local societies for people like you. And you're joining Clubhouse Room, it's an Instagram Lives, and you're checking in on this person's TikTok, and it's a lot. And all of a sudden you feel like you're doing so much because you have more, more, more on your plate, but you aren't actually moving the needle. Instead, you're just suffocated by noise. In the last year, I have done some significant culling of some of these networks, groups, and communities, and I'm helping my clients do it as well. Because when you get to the point where all of a sudden you have 20 different things that you're a part of, how much value can you really be giving and taking from them. If you're anything like me, you're in these groups doing a lot more giving than you are taking because you've learned some of these things and you want to give back and you want to share it. But at some point you have to realize that you're not actually taking anything from them or you aren't getting the full value that you did when you were a beginner. Before we talk about the criteria that has helped me and my clients assess what areas of the internet are actually benefiting them and you, I would love to hear from Liz. What is your experience of adding groups, networking, and joining the latest thing to gather exposure, clients, and get help? 
So I'm in a couple of different things, but I am different in you in that I'm pretty passive in these communities. So I'm in a couple of Facebook groups, a couple of LinkedIn groups, and I don't really speak up too much in them. Often I have notifications shut off for them. And if I find myself with extra time, I'll take a scroll through to see what the most recent conversations are and if there's anything interesting. The areas that I am most active in are some ongoing Twitter chats, which are a really great opportunity for networking. You know, I've got speaking gigs from them. I've really been able to learn stuff and really grow my network. So I'm active in that way. But a lot of times I just sit back because I spend a lot of time on the internet already. So where the Facebook groups are and the clubhouse chats are and the communities on various platforms are, I spend most of my day on those apps and don't necessarily want to spend more time on them trying to find the information that I need. So I tend to take a pretty passive approach. So I do join a lot of these groups, but I am definitely not the ideal member in that I'm active all the time. I'll, I'll say something every once in a while. Uh, but for the most part, I stay pretty quiet. So if you're passive in these groups, why do you stay in them? What keeps you there? Every once in a while, there is something worthwhile to me. Like I do learn stuff and it's a great opportunity for me to see what the new advances on some of these platforms are. If there's a new article shared, I'll often open the link, but I won't broadcast the new information. I don't share it. I just absorb it and don't really participate too much, but I am still learning. Right. Because I've noticed that some of these things that I was a part of, even being a passive member was still noise. It was still taking more than one scroll to go through all the groups I'm a part of, or it was an additional platform that I had to open up to check in on, even if there weren't notifications. So for me, even that passive presence is noise. And in my anxious brain, it would create this, oh, I should be in there. I should be posting more or an opportunity to even compare, oh, this person in this group is posting all the time. I'm not, am I not doing enough? Am I not good enough? And so it took me quite a while to sit back and go, if I'm not active in this group, this might not be the place for me. And instead of having a bunch of groups that I'm sitting back in, I have fewer that I'm actually focused on and ensuring that I'm actually getting the full value because they are the groups and communities that I do want to check in every day or every week, as opposed to just letting them sit. And then once every three months checking in. I don't know if I have found a community yet that I care enough about or is good enough that I feel the need to check in all of the time. Maybe I'm just, I haven't found that corner of the internet yet, but I always shut the notifications off and I think, you know, when I've got a moment, I'll see what I learn. And often there's, there's something that makes it good enough, but I haven't found something that I love so much and maybe I want that, but I haven't found it yet to, to make sure that I'm actively checking in enough uh, to see the latest posts or whatever it is that is available. Yeah, fair enough. I think that makes a lot of sense and brings in this other angle of if you're not looking, is it because it's not the right group or the right community yet? Or is it something that just really isn't enhancing what you're doing in your day-to-day -day 
sort of strategic goals or in what you're actually working on. And maybe it's just not compelling enough or it's not the right time. You are somebody who is beautifully settled in what you are doing and you aren't always looking for for advice or feedback. You don't seem to have a lot of questions. So everything that I, I get the sense and correct me if I'm wrong, everything you look at and you learn and you absorb isn't something that you need desperately. It's a nice little value add piece. You know what I find myself doing fairly often, especially with Facebook groups, because they have this function is I will join a Facebook group or it's a Facebook group I've been a member of for like a year and have paid not much attention to. I'll go in and if I have a question about a specific thing, I'll just search for it within the Facebook group. I, I, I curate all of the answers. It's been talked about for the last year or two years or six months. The posts are all right there for me. I get what I need and then I move on and I'll check back in the next time I have a question. It's like my own specific freelancer or social media or whatever kind of search engine. Interesting. Yeah. It becomes more of a resource bank than it does a community. And what you've done is you've called it from, instead of asking the entire internet, I'm going to go to this group of digital media professionals and then ask them and see what's been posted. That's a fascinating way to use this. Maria from Time to Up, we will link to her. I have done some work. She is a fantastic burnout coach and she helps women in business get that 10% edge of what's going to make them better. And she and I had an in-depth conversation about what is called just-in-time learning, which means that instead of always having to be on and looking for something, what's more important is going, what do you need to learn just in time to take the next step? And that's been really helpful. And it sounds exactly like what you do, Liz, which is I'm not waiting around in these groups for the magic answer, but I am turning to them when I have a specific question. And that's something that's really increased the efficiency of my time spent in these communities because I'm no longer doing it out of obligation because I feel like I'm supposed to be here or I'm paying for it. Therefore, I must attend every single time. But rather, I look for things that will specifically help me further my goal. In a previous episode, we talked about legacy pricing and how that is something that often keeps me stuck in certain communities going, oh, but I got this great rate when I first joined the group. And so we feel this need to stick with it for longer because heaven forbid you lose that legacy rate. And one of the things that Maria has taught me is that Wouldn't it be more worthwhile to hire somebody for one hour for $400 than spend 10 months in this $40 a month group, not really getting anything from it? So the value is that I get a specific question answered, or I really get to move forward on a goal and I get it just in time without having to sort through some of the noise. In episode 18 of our podcast, we talked about the art of uncommitting and taking stock of all of the things you're committed to, whether that's communities, groups, what have you, and how to debunk the excuses you're probably using to stay in those things. So if you need a little nudge, I recommend going back to episode 18 for that. Liz, what do you notice most when you're working with clients who come to you and 
ask you to operate their Facebook pages, their communities. What are some of the things that you notice when you look at somebody else's social for the first time? Often it's one of two things. One, they're in no communities. Two, they're in way too many communities. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so there's not really a middle ground here. Very rarely. And often, I think the reason for being in either one of those camps is they don't have a true sense of what they're trying to accomplish online or, or who their people are. So, you know, some people do, and they just need a second set of eyes or a second set of hands to help them refine that down. But some people are just clueless or just knee deep in all of that noise. So I've talked about it so many times on the podcast, but you know, being intentional and being meaningful in your actions with those communities that you're choosing is a conversation that I, I have with clients really often. You know, what are the goals? Why are we, why are we doing all of this? Why are we on social media? And then going from there. Exactly. Even when, when I joined Clubhouse, I would come to you and say, oh, I'm on Clubhouse. And you'd go, great, why? What's the purpose there? And I remember I often do this with my clients. They're like, I need more followers. I'm like, cool, why? Or I need to create another product. I go, great, why? What's the point? And the same thing has to do with these communities where it's kind of a collect them all situation, especially when you're new. And there's a, oh, you should join this. If you need help, you should find this group. And there is... I think a mentality that if we don't join them now, they're going to go away. And this fear that we don't have enough to work with, this fear that we, we couldn't possibly know enough to do it on our own. Therefore, we need feedback and we need help from other people, which I don't think is always the case. In some cases, I find that belonging to some of these groups for some of my clients has added more self-doubt because it makes them compare their, themselves to other people and it makes them look at what others are saying and doing. I think we're in a really, really interesting phase right now where we're all craving community because we're all at home. So I wonder if missteps are being made because people just want to be part of a group or part of something. I wonder if the wrong choices are being made and you end up with a ton of noise just because you wanna be part of something. I have no idea if there's an answer there. I'm just speculating, but it's something to think about. Fair enough that maybe we're creating more communities out of this desperation and going, I need to be part of something. So I'm going to join this entrepreneur group and this parents group and this photographer's club and this society in a town 15 minutes from me. And maybe it's a situation similar to you where it's like, we're joining all of these things and trying them all on, trying to figure out which is the right one. But at some point when you have so many, I notice that people aren't engaged either passively or actively, they just sit. And so the first thing that I often do with my clients who feel this way, when I notice that there's any sort of self-doubt or they're looking for someone to just tell them what to do, I also see it when people say, well, this person's doing this, this person's doing this. I see either a lot of self-doubt or a lot of comparison. And the first step I always say is open up these platforms and let's compile a list and look at everything you're part of, whether it's free or whether it's paid and just make the list. And I've seen lists of upwards of 50 different things that people are a part of. At that point, 
I often ask people to look at which were the ones that they went, oh, I forgot I was a part of that. Because the ones that we forget about are the first ones that go, well, clearly you're not using it. There's something, there's a reason that you're not jumping to that group for a resource to answer a question. You're just not engaged. And the second piece is if you have engaged in it, is it with a particular person? Is it on a specific topic? How can we get more specific on what you're actually looking for? So instead of joining a group on building your social following as a business owner, maybe you want to specifically work with people who are talking about using TikTok for business. So to really narrow it down. Three other criteria that I work with my clients through. What produces dread or which are the groups or communities that make you kind of want to avoid them? The ones that you turn off the notifications of because they bother you and they're annoying and you never pay attention to them anyway. Or the ones that you're making excuses of, I'm just staying in here because it's my friend's group. Or because there's only 25 people in it and if I leave, it's going to be noticeable. I'm all about obligation elimination. So take a pass through that list and go, where do I show up because I feel like I have to? Because there must be a better reason. And the final question that I always come to is, how is this group helping you meet your primary goal? Whether that is a monthly, quarterly, yearly goal, if being in that group isn't helping you move forward, it's probably not a good enough reason to keep it. So to recap, I say compile a list, look at everything that you're a part of. Assess the last time that you actually got value from this group. Has it been in the last three to six months? If not, it might be time for it to go. Look at that group and say, are there particular people that you connect with? Can you either add some specificity or engage with just that one or one person in a more meaningful way. Look clearly at what produces dread and what feels like an obligation. And again, go back to what is the goal that this is helping me meet. LP, are there any criteria that you use to help assess the value that you're getting from different communities? I don't have a formalized list. Uh, but essentially it's, does this require a ton of energy? And if it does require my energy, is that worth it? Is it worth that energy and that time it will take? And am I going to learn anything by being part of this? That's probably the, that's the biggest one for me. We're all busy. This better be worth it. And if it's not, I'm out or I'm shutting notifications off and only popping in when I need to search a specific term and find the answers and then move on and check back in the next time I have a question. That's about it for me, I think. And I, I feel like I'm not, in, I'm not in a ton of these communities. Again, if I find that community at some point, maybe my criteria will change because I'll have a better experience uh, to base my future experiences on. But that's about it for me. The time, the energy, and will I learn anything? I'm a little bit afraid to say this because I, of course, come from education. I love learning, right? I love teaching. I love learning. I love absorbing things like a sponge. And yet 
sometimes I'm not looking to learn something new. Sometimes I just want to work with what I have and that has to be enough. And I, I want to believe that there's somebody out there listening to this going, oh, thank you. I don't have to be learning all the time because you don't. It's similar to that comparison trap that when you get stuck in comparing, it holds you back. And sometimes I find myself getting so desperate to gather all the resources and find the right way and do it perfectly and plan the spectacular launch with no bumps. And it actually holds me back from doing the thing. And so while I'm a huge advocate of learning something, that isn't always my number one goal, being part of these groups. And that is the, the just-in-time learning again, that I know when there is something I need to learn in order to meet a specific goal, I will find the answer. Whether it's a group, a book, a person, I know that I will find it. So there's something to be said for also taking some space where I'm not on and always trying to learn something. Coach Jenny breaks this down into two really simple questions with anything in her business. And of course, we've worked on my business together. She comes down to the two questions. Is it working? Do I love it? And that's how she assesses every opportunity. And I think that goes for communities as well. And similarly, if there are communities or groups that you've been a part of for a long time, is it still working? Do I still love it? think there's a lot of obligation that comes from joining groups as a beginner and feeling like you have to stay. And I think it's really worthwhile considering that something that worked for you once might not be working for you anymore and that it is okay and makes complete sense that you outgrow some of them. Another question to consider is what are the aspirational places you want to hang out? In my Claim Your Spotlight program, we spend a week talking about the aspirational playground. Who is in the sandbox with you? Because there are many people in the local community that I could say are part of my sandbox, but to meet my goals, there are actually different people in there. And so instead of playing it safe, I start to imagine what do I need to do to be playing a bigger game? Who are these other people that I want in the sandbox with me? I use the sentence, who do you want to be mentioned in the same sentence with? So I want to be mentioned in the same sentence as Brene Brown. That probably means that a particular group for new entrepreneurs in Edmonton might not be serving me anymore. And the final piece that I think people need to pay attention to is, is there something in it for you? In each community group network that you're part of, what's in it for you? If you find yourself doing all the giving and being in a group feels like you're always helping people, or you're not getting any value yourself, or you find yourself dreading it, rolling your eyes at it, hating the notifications. There are ways to say no thank you and it's not for me right now without hurting feelings. And I would hate to see people waste more time and more energy in groups that aren't serving them. 
if you go back in the archives, I'm going to promote another episode. <laughs> if you go back to episode eight, where we talk about what makes a good collaboration, we have uh, some really helpful language about how to say no and how to turn down things that you don't want to be a part of or, or aren't for you. So if you scroll on back to episode eight, you might find some, some good little nuggets of info in there as well. Episode eight feels like a lifetime ago. We've got quite Doesn't a library. It? Oh my goodness. Good for us. Uh, I would love to know from our listeners, how do you decide what to join, what communities to be part of, and what corners of the internet to hang out in? Not only does this help our listeners find some new places, but it also gives us a sense of where are some of the best places on the internet to hang out. If you are like us and you're getting value from something, we want to hear about it. So this is the open invitation to share. Where do you spend your time? A listener has shared a great question with us this week for WWAWD or what would Amanda Wagner do? This one comes from Jen. I'm really curious about your answer today, AW. Jen says, I'm a graphic designer. My childhood friend and bridesmaid launched her own business recently and didn't ask me to do her branding. She's not my ideal client, but I'm bothered that she didn't ask. Should I be hurt by this? Have you experienced something like this? Or are friends on some kind of magical do not hire list? Oh, should I be hurt by this? My instinct is to say no. But wouldn't that be nice if we just weren't hurt by things like this? I understand why you are hurt by it. I would be too. I do not think friends are on a magical do not hire list, but I do think there is an added level of complexity when it comes to working with somebody that you have a close personal relationship with. Oftentimes when it comes to working with friends or family, we can get into a complicated space around money, which is... As the provider, as the designer in your case, do you have to provide this person a discount? Are they expecting a discount? What's it like to pay your friend when typically that isn't part of your relationship? And the second piece is that we want to impress our friends. And sometimes it can be really hard if you were to create something for a friend and they don't love it or they want to offer you some feedback. And that can feel really personal. So to give your friend, your bridesmaid, the benefit of the doubt, maybe they didn't want to put either of you in a position where the stakes were so high to lower the risk. Another potential option is that if this is your friend, somebody that you're still close with in adulthood, Maybe they know things about your life. And by that, I mean, maybe they know you're really busy. Maybe they know the type of people that you work with and self-selected. They eliminated themselves from the get-go and said, this designer typically works with food companies and I'm not creating a food company. So why would I ask her anyways? Why would I put her out? I have experienced this in some ways in the sense that I have friends or people that I'm close to who hire other coaches or other business strategists. And yes, it stings. And also 
there's something about keeping pieces of that relationship sacred. Anytime a friendship, which is on a pretty even playing field, becomes a client professional relationship or a um, like expert patient relationship, the waters can get a little bit muddy. And so I want to, to ease some of your worry and say, it probably isn't personal. I don't think it has to do with you and your skill as a designer. It might have to do with how this relationship could change. Does this person want to have you just as a friend? Does this person not want to be in a position where they have to offer you feedback? Does this person want to pay a stranger instead? And so I think there are many different angles that we can consider. I do not think friends are on some kind of magical do not hire list. Interestingly, a lot of the contractors that I've worked with, including my own designer, we started as a professional uh, coupling and became friends. And that is a relationship that I really cherish now and have continued to hire her. And we've, we've worked back and forth, but starting it as a professional relationship was really important because I, as the client, wanted to be able to give feedback freely. Long story long, I am sorry. There is no magical list. I do not have a specific answer, but I've hoped that I've given you a couple different alternatives to consider that are not about how your friend doesn't like you, doesn't want to work with you, doesn't trust you. It doesn't sound like that's it. I hope this is helpful. I know it's a sticky area, especially as more and more our cities start to feel like small towns and we know everybody. I will tell you that intentionally, I have hired people who are not in the province. I've intentionally looked for an outside voice. And it's not because I don't think there are great coaches or professionals in this space. It's because I'm looking for a different perspective. And so my thought is, you now have an opportunity to provide a different perspective for somebody that isn't your friend, for somebody that is looking for something different. And I see that as a huge advantage. What a wonderful answer, A.W. That was great. Thank you. It was very off the cuff, but I, I felt a lot there. Yeah. This sounds, this sounds challenging. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. And great question. Thanks, Jen, uh, for submitting and coming to AW for some advice on this one. Please keep sending your questions in. You can send them to us via Instagram at the Amanda Wagner or visit theamandawagner.com and submit via the contact form on the website. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. And because we live by Don't Ask, Don't Get, we are asking you to follow along with us on social media at the Amanda Wagner. Sign up for the newsletter at theamandawagner.com and share this episode with a friend. And if you love the podcast, please leave us a review. We are really loving the five stars that we're seeing. If you're ready to get off the sidelines and claim your spotlight and need a business strategist to help you make it happen, connect with me at theamandawagner.com. And if this episode has you thinking about online communities and your social media presence, reach out to me on Instagram at Liz Pittman or lizpittman.com. 
Thank you again for being part of our community. We are very happy to have you and want you to know that every comment, every like, every share, we're paying attention to, and it is helping us build our community. This is a community of ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to change the world. And we love having you here. We will be back in two weeks with a new episode. And until then, we will see you on the internet. Mandy got her groove back there. Ooh, go Mandy, go. Go Mandy, go.